Welcome to session number one, everyone. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, welcome to session one. That wasn't good enough. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, welcome to session one. Do I need to do a teaching on who is my neighbor? Come on, look at a neighbor. Look at him in the eye and say, welcome to session one. All right, good enough, good enough. Hey, um, just to let you know, I do not have physical paper handouts. So if you want to follow along, here's what I've done. I've put my entire slide presentation, um, all the notes of the items I'm going to cover today, plus a little bit more content. And it's on a link on my website. It's at the bottom. If you can't read it, there's a QR code. You could just scan it right now. You'll have instant access to that. And if you get lost or you get behind or you don't get there, I have the QR code again at my very last slide. And you'll be able to have access to that. Here's what's important. You might want to save that in your bookmark because it's not, you can't navigate it on my site. It's just I created it for Synergy. There's a discount on there for a training course. So things we're going to give away to you. So if you save that, you'll be able to navigate it later. But you're not going to just find it in the navigation tool. So that's how you're going to find the notes. I'll repeat that in a minute. I just want to say good morning. So this is interactive, guys. I want to say good morning. <laughs> right. Hey, my name is Mike Smith. I used to serve as a local pastor in the Columbus area, and I served as a presbyter, was here for a while, and now I live in suburban Chicago. I pastor a great church about 12 minutes north of O'Hare International Airport. I also serve as the president of New Normal Coaching uh, with the executive director of the charity New Normal Coaching, and also the president of Professional Coach University. So the link here is professionalcoachuniversity.com. There's a link for you right there. Just as an introduction, we deliver coaching to leaders, to businesses, to local churches, church planters, missionaries, entrepreneurs, and we also, in addition to delivering coaching, we train coaches. So coaching is really uh, my world, and, but it's not my mission, right? Coaching is this tool and this resource. My mission is just a simple bullet point. This is what I do with my life. I develop passionate followers of Jesus Christ. You know, we don't recreate the, the, the anything, really. But that's just what I do. And so the worlds of coaching and discipleship collide in my life. So I want to talk today on this topic of a coach approach to discipleship, where coaching and discipleship cross. So I'm going to introduce you to some things. And if, if this is interesting to you, if this makes sense, and you feel like I'm going to learn some competencies around this in November— uh, early November, we're scheduled to do a training right here in uh, the Columbus area at the Ohio Ministry Network. We'll be doing a class uh, from Professional Coach University called Coaching and Discipleship. So several uh, things are there, but I want to get started right off the bat. And I think we figured out that this worked, but I'm not doing it. So what? Can, can you scroll for me? We're just going to do that so I won't be bound. But here's, here's a question I have for you. Let's read it. If you ask the average person in the United States, who is God? How might they answer? So I want you to, to throw out some answers at me. If you ask someone, who is God? What might people say? Who, who's got something? A spiritual being. Me. Whoever you want him to be. What else? Creator. Okay, we don't only know heathens. This is a good answer. Okay, what else might people say? Who is God? 
He doesn't exist. Wow, creative. Ha, get that, what I did right there. Sorry, anyway. Um, that was a joke for all you spiritual people in the room. God doesn't exist. All right, anyway, what else might people say? What, what, who is God? Who is God? Who cares? All right? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to engage with me right now, okay? If someone asked the average person in the United States who is God, what would they say? I am? Yeah. Let, hit the next question. Watch, let, let's look at this for a second. What does it mean to you to be Christian? Christ-like love. All in. What does it mean to you to be Christian? A follower of Jesus. Who said that? So when we have a gold star chart, what is your name? We're gonna, gold star right there. This is a good answer. All right. All right, good answer. What else? What, what does it mean to you to be Christian? Like Christ, right? Well, let me ask you this. Who sees the gap in those two answers? So this, this is where we can overlay coaching into discipleship. Coaching is about discovering the gap and closing the gap. All right, so I, I want to find out how we can get the average person in the United States of America to answer the second question I asked. That's really what, what is behind what I do and what the motivation is. Hear me, let me ask you this question. Let's make it practical. Um, and you can put this, the questions on the slide. As a believer, what should our practical response be to God? And think Sundays, but also think Monday through Saturday. What, what is our practical response to God as a believer? What, what, are, what, what is your response to God? Following? Love and obey. Who's afraid to answer out loud? All right? Okay, listen. So here's what we're doing, right? The world does not know Jesus. We have a room that's a, a, a seed, a picture of, of a, an entire movement, a following of people that have the answer. Another gap is... We think behaving like a Christian is doing things, <laughs> right? And we, we want to talk uh, coaching, again, overlaying it over discipleship, is not just to help people do something, but to help them become something, right? So Christian, like Christ, that's a great answer, because Christians are reflections of Jesus. I want to say this, the gold star right here, Christianity, this is a great statement for you to wrap your arms around. Christianity is a following, here we are, leadership development driver. Christianity is not a synonym for leadership development. I hope they invite me back. <laughs> but Christianity is not a synonym for leadership development. You know what Christianity is? It's followership development. That's what Christianity is. You ever heard the Apostle Paul talk? You know what he said? Um, uh, Paul, Paul, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And Paul was talking from the perspective of what I call a lead follower. Okay? He's a lead follower. The modern English version, follow me as I follow Christ. You might know the NIV, follow my example. 
as I follow the example of others. The ESV, my, my favorite version, be imitators of me as I am on, on Christ. I want to tell you something. If you're thinking about leadership development, the emphasis on that verse is the example in humanity. But if you're thinking about Christianity, the emphasis of that verse is Jesus. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. It's not about the leader. It's about Jesus. So here we go. When you think about coaching, how do I overlay discipleship is the first thing we start to do is coach people to say, it's not about how great you are as a leader. Aren't you thankful? Right? Really, the whole idea is to focus on Jesus. I love when Jesus says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men or fish for people. Who's heard that verse? Okay, I want to break that down for you just, to, just in a minute. And, and you're thinking, okay, is this coaching and discipleship, or is this a sermon? Like, what is this? The answer is yes, so here you go. Okay, so what does it mean when Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men? Okay, you know what, what the, that, that verse is about? Here's what that verse is about. Okay, Bible scholars in the room. The most important word in that statement is the word me. Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. We think Christianity even is caught up in the following and in the doing. And, and the, what Jesus is saying is it's about me. It's about me. So what is our action? It's following. So the mark of Christianity is living for someone else. His name is Jesus. Now here's the beauty of it, because when we focus on the following piece, or we think we need to develop, what we start doing is we, we prioritize our skills over the presence of Jesus. Okay, so the focus is on Jesus, and he said follow, and then here's the beautiful thing. You don't have to create yourself. God said through his son, Jesus Christ, God the Son, he says, I will make you. You want to be great? Follow me, and I will make you. I will make you. Sometimes we skate past that little quip. I will make you. There's not too many words in this Bible study, so let's pay attention to all of them, okay? Follow me. And Jesus says, I will make you. Here's what's crazy about that is Jesus is God. How many of you know this? Okay, there's a creative nature in God. When you're saved, the old is gone, the new has come. You're called a new creation. God created everything out of nothing, he says, I will make you. Maybe if we become nothing, God will make something out of us. That's free. That's not in my notes. But here's the best part. It's about Jesus, me. Follow me, and I will make you. Then he says, fishers of people. You know what that means? He was talking to fishermen, so he says this. I've created your identity, and your identity doesn't have to change. But when you fish for people... This is my mission. So God basically says, I've created who you are to do what you do to serve my mission. And it will work if you follow me. Discipleship. So you guys can borrow that. Preach on Sunday. You don't even have to footnote that. That's just yours. It's in the Bible. So I didn't put a corner on that. You can have that. So here's my question. What does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to follow Jesus? Jesus. Example. All in. When you follow Jesus, I like that all in word I've heard a couple times because it's, 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 it's all not us and it's all him. 
Like it's, it's laying down your life. It's picking up your cross. It's denying yourself. That doesn't sound like it's a growth church model, but it is because we die to limitation and we live in unlimited capacity. Power of God, right? So, so what we do all the time is we hear this great vision from God and then we say, I can do that. Am I, is that, I don't know, is that too, too much right there? Following Jesus impacts, their, their, and, and I can describe this many ways. This is one of the ways I describe it. It impacts, I, I think, three key areas of your life. It impacts your, your passions and your desires. When you follow Jesus, you, you, you will have this, this passion to behave like Jesus. Like, what, what are you passionate about in life? Behaving like Jesus. If I were to have asked that question, how many of you would have answered that with the phrase to behave like Jesus? I would have said coaching or golfing or the Dallas Cowboys, sorry. Um, anyway, right? So, I mean, we would, I'm a big Cubs fan too, but I don't want to get sidetracked here. 2016 was our year. Uh, once in three lifetimes. Uh, anyway, so um, here's what I'm saying is following Jesus impacts your passions, your desires, and, and you, you say, I, I, I have this desire to serve God's mission, not build my kingdom, but live for his. It also impacts what I say, I call your, your beliefs and your values, the systems and how you operate your life. And so what you start to do is you start to believe that humility is important. Why is humility important? Because Jesus modeled it. Remember God who created everything out of nothing? Here's what, what, what God did, is he put the flesh of his creation around him. And he did it because he loves us. So what we start to do is to believe that humility emulates Jesus. You know what I've seen? I've seen a lot of uh, false humility. <laughs> That's not the way Jesus modeled. We, we believe God is in control. God is in charge. And if he, although we want to say yes and he says no, we trust him. We believe God saves. How many of you will go to church knowing that Jesus Christ can save those who do not follow him? We believe it. We value the love of God. We, here's my, well, one of the things we believe is that this redemptive story is, is, is our personal story. We interact with, with God as the forgiver, and this is my story, but here's what we start to believe, and we behave this, that it's not only my story, it's also my mission. So our very story is our mission. Redemption that we receive is the redemption that we communicate, because what we're trying to do is help people follow Jesus so he can make them be who they are, for his purpose and to glorify the Father. Whew. Last thing that this impacts is your behaviors. We do things, right? We do things. We, we witness. You know, I, I think, I, I told someone this morning sitting around when I was at breakfast, people were coming by and I, I said this statement. I may have said it last night, I don't remember. But there's one word that Christians and non-Christians both are afraid of and it's the word evangelism, <laughs> Right? I mean, it really is, but, but we start to, to get away from a program and start to talk about our story as our life mission 
and that's what we call evangelism or, or, or witnessing. It's, and, and we do things like we read the Bible. Anyone in the house know what I'm talking about, right? You read the Bible. Remember when it was paper? Anyway, so we, we read the Bible, we study it, we memorize, we apply it, we pray. We're in relationship with other believers. We're encouraging. We even attend church, right? These are all things that we do. Now here's the, the problem is a lot of churches start with the doing, before they look at what you're passionate about, what you desire, how you behave. And this is where coaching comes in. Now, I want to talk about this for a minute. I want to compare just strictly point up blank, coaching versus discipleship, because they're not the same thing. I'm a coach. It's, it, I do this, but discipleship to me. My life mission is developing passionate followers of Jesus Christ, and if coaching doesn't work, I'm going to stop. It's probably not going to grow my business, but that's not what life's about, is it? So let's compare coaching, um, if you will, to, to discipleship for a minute. I'm going to show you the difference. On one hand, coaching is centered on a client. So it's all about that, that client, where, where discipleship is not about the, 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 the discipler or the disciple. It's all about Jesus. Follow me, right? So the perspectives are different. So these words are not synonyms. Listen, coaching is not the new buzzword for discipleship. So what I do is I take a coaching approach to discipleship. So both of them deal with gaps. Remember the gap we exposed at the beginning? Who, who are, are people describing who God is? What is Christianity? It, it created a, a gap, and both do that. Now, coaching is about discovery and awareness, but it's from the lens of self. It's from the lens of the person that's being coached, where as discipleship is discovery and awareness, but it's through the lens of Christ— in a way that the person being coached or discipled will respond. So I will, I will find out what Christ does, who Christ is, what Christ says, and I will respond accordingly. So it's really Christ-centric in that regard. Coaching is action-oriented, so I'm going to do things. I'm going to get it done. And I love this. Like, you can use this because I created this chart, right? It's not in a book, so you can have it. But discipleship is what I call worship-oriented. So it's not about getting things done. It's about honoring God with everything. I call that worship, right? That's why discipleship is about helping people honor, honor God, worship God. Coaching is non-direct, uh, which means that the client sort of sets everything, all of the agenda, it's, it's, there's not a system or a program. But coaching also uses frameworks. So there, there are systems that we coach around, and, you know, there's point A and, and point B or constructs, but there's also what we call directed coaching, and that's where you maybe work through a curriculum, right? Where, well, discipleship is directed. We are directing people to Jesus. Don't get lost in what discipleship is. Discipleship is bringing people close to Jesus. Who's with me on that? All right? All right, now, coaching is reliance on the person being coached. And, and, and they, they receive support from a partner that we call a coach. But discipleship, the reliance is on the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But it's also reliant on the discipler and the disciple. It's like this, this relationship. You've heard that word when we talk Christianity, haven't you? And, and what this is, it's interaction with flesh and humanity and divine. It's a partnership, a collaboration between a discipler and a disciple. In other words, like Paul, we can say, I want you to watch the way that I'm pursuing Jesus. And if you pursue Jesus with the same passions, with the same priorities, with actions that mean to you, like I use actions that mean something to me, then you will find Jesus. You don't behave like me, you pursue like me. 
we're, we're building behavior, behavior when we should be building pursuit. Now that will preach. I'll take a footnote on that one if you do. You, no, I'm just kidding. All right, there's a whole lot I could talk about here, but I, when you break down this chart, and I have this as a working definition. When I, I'm going to do a class on coaching and discipleship in November right here. It'll be the first time we deliver it. And, and I have what I call a working definition of a coach approach to discipleship, and I'm going to remove the word working definition in November, but you can see it in raw form. Here's what we have. And what I did is I took that chart and synthesized it. It's a little bit wordy, but, but feel this with me. A coach approach to discipleship is a Christ-centered discovery process. Doesn't that sound good? Where a discipler coach, you know, discipler coach, partners with a disciple. So it's a relational thing. It's, it's a partnership. To close discovered spiritual gaps. That's discipleship. As a result, the disciple learns truth and practices God-honoring attitudes and behaviors right? So that, that's the intro definition to my next book. You can have it for free. If you can make it better, you can email me and have that. But this is what a coach approach to, to discipleship is, and let me, let me break that down for you. It's helping someone discover spiritual gaps and being a collaborator with them to close the gaps and not taking credit for it. Now who's in for that? So wait a minute, you're telling me I could partner with someone to discover truth and close those gaps and give glory to God by doing that? That's a coach approach to discipleship. That, that, that's exactly what we are, are talking about. And, and what I want to do is, and we'll take questions at the end, I, I, I want to end by 11, right? And it says we have to end by 11.15. Uh, is that right? So 11.30 is the next session, correct? Someone confirm that. So we'll do Q&A. I could talk all day about this. If you want me to keep talking, I will. But I want to tell you a couple stories in the Bible on how Jesus modeled a coaching approach to discipleship. Now, I'm smart enough to know that Jesus was not a life coach. <laughs> all right, this term did not exist in Bible days. I am not waving that banner. But what I am doing is recognizing some, some of the, the what we call coaching competencies, Jesus did model some of these. And so, I, I mean, I coach a lot of uh, non-Christians, but I am a Christian coach. This is what, what, I, what I do. So here's some of the stories I want to share with you. Do you know the story in the Bible where there was a paralyzed man who was on a mat and he couldn't move? You know, the, the, I lowered him in a roof. Let, let me tell you what happened here. So this, this paralyzed man had these friends, and, and these friends heard that Jesus was coming. So they, they, they said, we've got to get this, this man to Jesus. Because they had this belief, remember we talked about beliefs, that Jesus would heal him if he just saw him. So, so I mean, this is a great principle. First of all, I just want to ask you, do you believe that if you come to Jesus, he will meet your need? How many of you wish you had four friends? Maybe you don't want to be paralyzed, but how many of you wish you had four friends that had that kind of faith? Okay, so, so these men, here's what's amazing about this story. I, I, I guess they were men. I, I, I'm not trying to be, you know, only concerned about men. Maybe they were women, but I'm pretty sure in the story they were, they were men, right? Okay, you guys with me on that? Anyone judging me about that? Okay, we're going to keep going. So these men are saying, how are we going to get him to Jesus? I, I believe that they planned. I believe they were saying, I, I know people are going to be there. Maybe we'll just bull rush the room. And we're going to take over the room and get Jesus' attention. Well, if that doesn't work, I mean, maybe we'll just, we'll bring some things, we'll bang them together, we'll get loud, we'll stand outside, and we'll see if he comes out to us. 
man, that's, I, I really doubt that they're going to take their eyes off Jesus and, and come to us. You know what? If we have to, we're going in through the, we're going in through the roof, right? What, what do you think we're going to do, guys? And I, this is why I think they're guys. <gasps> through the roof, right? No, we're going through the roof. Now, I'm thinking, you can't just go through the roof without planning, like, like they, it was built with like these uh, maybe pitch and mud and clay and uh, branches and things. But you could, you could actually walk on this roof, though, right? You'd have to dig through it. So I don't know what tools they had, but they had to bring tools with them in case they had enough testosterone to go through the roof. Right? They get there. And I, here's what I believe. It says that the, 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 there are so many people that the, the people were spilling outside the house. I could see him through the roof, baby. We're going through the roof. They're carrying this man on a, a mat. He can't move, and his four faithful friends are just filled with all that is man. And they're saying, we're going in. And they walk up the stairs. They take all their tools. They dig through the roof. They drop through the roof. And you know, Jesus is teaching here. Jesus is teaching. He's teaching. And Jesus diverts all, from all of the smart religious people, and he focuses on someone with a need. And then he says, I forgive your sin. You know, I wonder what, 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 what the paralyzed man would have said. I went through all this, because the, the paralyzed man was still on the mat. Jesus says, I forgive your sin, and he's still on the mat. He's still on the mat. I wonder what the friends would say. Man, we planned this. We, what's going on here? But uh, we could dream, but I know what the smart religious people said. Who does this teacher think he is? Only God can forgive sin. Now here's where the coaching comes in. Jesus hears, after teaching with authority, the Son of God, with humility, teaching people, hearing people call him a blasphemer. And it says that Jesus perceived their thoughts and he answered with a question. This is a coach approach. Here's what Jesus said. Why do you question in your hearts? So what Jesus does is he takes all of the things happening around and Jesus' discipleship cuts to the heart of the people that were, had the problem. You're, I often used to say that if I lived when Jesus lived, it would be much easier to be a Christian, but this story probably says not so much. They're blaspheming him. He's like, why are you questioning this in your heart? And I'm not sure they knew what to say. I mean, I, we know what they're thinking. And then Jesus sort of interrupts that with another very powerful question. He goes, which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to rise and walk? Now, this is great because really, what is, is there an answer to that? Man, Jesus is, in, in two, like, bullet points, he messes with, with the entire people who are spilling out of the room. He messes with them. And here's the deal. If you were to say you're, you, you're, you're healed, everybody in that room would say, well, only God can heal. But if you were to say your sins are forgiven, they, they would say, well, well, only God can forgive sin. So here's what Jesus does. He's watching this process, and he says this, so I prove to you that I am God, and that I can forgive your sin, I'm going to heal this man. And here's what happens. Jesus uses these questions to create this gap in their heart. And closing the gap, he revealed himself 
as God. Here's what happened. It says that the paralyzed man, you guys heard this story preached, right? So he, he, he takes up the mat after he couldn't get there on his own, couldn't get up the stairs, couldn't get, he picks up the mat that he was lying on, probably tucks it under his arm and went home. And he glorified God. And this is important because he glorified God. And then here's what happened. All the people in the room began to say, this is amazing. And they glorified God. So through these two questions, Jesus turned chatter of blasphemy into shouts of praise. Okay? So now, was Jesus a life coach? I don't know, but he uses this competency of asking a powerful question. And it opened up the revelation of God. This is why I take a coach approach to discipleship through listening and questions and paying attention. Even though there's a huge need over here, Jesus said, I know that you look negative. I know that you hate me, but I see the need in your life and I'm going to ask you something so I can reveal myself to you. Feel awesome, right? Can I give, what time is it? We have time for, for one more. Um, well, I ask you this question. What is it that unlocked the learning? There's a few things that unlocked the learning there. One is Jesus was present with those in the room. When you are a discipleship coach and, and you take this strategy to not build your leadership but to build your followership, you take your eyes off what you're building and you pay attention to those in the room. That we miss so much because we're not paying attention to others. Jesus used questions to inform learning, but Jesus spoke to the gap. People did not recognize that Jesus was the Son of God, but he revealed himself as God, and people glorified the Father. This is a powerful story. There's another uh, one that's a little more common if you've ever taken a coaching class with me, and, and this is where, where Jesus is talking. I think it's Matthew 16, and he, he goes to his disciples, and he basically says, hey, what's word on the street about me? You might have heard it said like this, who do people say that I am? What's the word on the street about me? What are, what are people saying? It's an amazing answer. They said, oh, you're this prophet or you're that prophet. And they, what, what they were saying is that they're saying that you do things like prophets. They're focused on this, this, this doing of Jesus. It's interesting that nobody recognized who he was. They only talked about what he did. And I think this is a mistake in Christianity. We always ask God to do things for us, not that we know who he is. Throwing that out there. So he says, who do people say to him? All these things. And then he stands up to, to 12 closest people in his, his crew, his disciples, and he says, what about you? Who do you say, say that I am? And then Peter shoots up, and, and he says this, and you, you know it. He says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. He, he's, he basically says, you are, are God. And, and, and Jesus blesses him. And acknowledge that Peter recognized Jesus through revelation. Here's revelation again. It, it, and it says in the scripture that, that you see this because I re, it was revealed to you by the Father. It's interesting. And then, here, you know, you ever heard this, uh, you are Peter on this rock, I will build my church? Have you guys ever heard that? And, and you're like, I mean, I think I understand what that means, but I, I don't know if I want to stand in front of a group of people and, and talk about it. I, and I, I'll give you my opinion on what that means. Okay, because watch this. This, this. this is me. Now, Dr. David Welly, you can correct me on this, all right? You can help me out, okay? All right, so first of all, how many of you know Jesus is the chief cornerstone? 
All right, you're with me? Now, now what happened was this. Jesus is the non-negotiable. God revealed Jesus as God. And then Jesus says, I could build a church on that kind of response. As a reflection of me, the chief cornerstone, you're, you reflect me, you're a rock. I'm going to build my church on that kind of a response. I don't think that's an organizational or a systemic statement. I think that's a relational statement. You are behaving like me. You know me. You see me. That's what this is about. Is that okay, David? Did I hit that all right? He'll fix me later. The church is built on the foundation of Christ through the humble recognition of Jesus as God. So when we say, who do you say God is? Or what does it mean to you to follow Jesus? What we're doing is we're giving you opportunity for God to reveal himself to you. Where do you look to find that answer? Scripture, listening and prayer. These dis- so the doing doesn't become the mark of a Christian. The doing becomes the pursuit of following Jesus. I don't go to church to be called a Christian. I go to church in pursuit of following Jesus. I don't read my Bible so someone says, look at how much you know. I read my Bible so I can pursue the following of Jesus. Right? The doing is, is just how people recognize it's not the way to achieve spiritual maturity. It's the way to follow Jesus. Oh yeah, I'm not supposed to preach though, am I? I, I can't remember that. <laughs> There's so many stories here. I, I think about what happens, you know, and I could talk about this, but God, God talks to Adam and Eve, and I'm going to give you this, and we'll wrap, wrap this up and take some questions here in a few minutes. But you know the story, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You're not supposed to eat of the forbidden fruit. And then Satan, Satan counterfeits, and he's like, did God really say that? They eat the fruit, they see their sin, they, they're exposed, they're shameful. And God asks the question, where are you? He's coming to the guy. He says, where are you? Now, how many of you know that Jesus wasn't really unsure about where they were? Filled with guilt and shame, they were behaving differently because their pursuit was different. So, so God basically says, where are you? I'm not different. What that did in that moment is that revealed to Adam and Eve that God is holy and they were not in holiness. God is righteous. They were not in righteousness. It created this dissonance, this God asked the powerful coaching question. What about Isaiah in the, the, the throne room? Who shall I send and who will go? Do you know that that calling oftentimes is in the form of a question. Will you do it? Who will go? I don't think that God twists your arm and says, I want to give you the most miserable assignment in life, and I'm going to force you to suffer and to die. Listen, I've had some hard assignments, but it's been so awesome for me because I'm stewarding God's assignment. I'm not saying we're problem-free, but it's the joy of my life to do what God asks me to do. And it's not for my benefit. It's because there are people that God wants me to help follow Jesus. Is it really on how high I can climb my ladder? Or is it really on, 
understanding my story and living out my mission. The redemptive message of, of Jesus. So, how does coaching intersect with this? Coaching moves toward accountable action in response to new awareness. So I, I believe, I'm, I'm hoping that you, you, you have a nugget at least today. Maybe something in the scripture or something that, some, that I said. or so, You know, there's some nugget. There's an aha, right? I'm, I'm hoping there's a, a couple ahas today. Coaching says, how do we take that aha and help you behave that with rhythm in your life? That's what coaching does. So these, the trainings that we do put competencies around this, this hope that you're feeling right now. So how, how, let me ask you this question. How does this process potentially interact with discipleship? How could you see a coaching approach? Remember what Jesus did? He was present in the room. He was paying attention to the verbals and the nonverbals all around him. He was asking powerful questions that ultimately revealed him. How does that approach interact with discipleship? What, what are you seeing in this regard? What, go ahead, you, could, you can answer. Yep, everyone gets a benefit. What, what you're saying there, David, is different than pure coaching it's not only about a person's achievement it's about relationship of a coach and a disciple a disciple and, a, and it's about jesus here's where the intersection goes so when we do a, a full day training we, we actually walk through eight coaching competencies and we talk about how they interact with this goal to help people follow jesus so I'm hoping that that is, is interesting to you. Now, I don't know if you have any questions about the content that I've shared. Like when I preach on Sunday, I have a 25-minute limit, so I'm, I think I'm already past my limit. I, I don't know how to keep talking for longer, so I, but I'm really good at fielding questions. So what I'm going to do is, is open up the floor, whether it's about this content or whether it's about just the, the whole overall thought of coaching. Um, what kind of questions do you have um, maybe as it relates to coaching, discipleship, or coaching, or this content. What questions do you have? How does coaching compare with spiritual direction? So, and, and I'm not exactly sure how you define spiritual direction, because there's, there's programs, and then there's just practicing, like, spiritual directors. Um, typically, um, spiritual directing happens, at least what I'm familiar with, in one of two fashions. Either, um, it, uh, mostly it's, it's somewhat programmatic. So here's a program that I know that works for me, and it's not exactly what I do, but here are the things that opened up for me, and I'm going to share that with you. The other thing that spiritual directors do is to help you identify these marks, which has a lot of coaching in it, it's so you can hit these marks. What what, what just coaching does as it relates to discipleship is, is relying on the disciple to discover the truth of Scripture and find a dissonance with their own life. So when the Scripture says, so it's not about the director, it's not about the program, it's not about what that person brings, it actually keys on how the reader of the Scripture, well, how the Holy Spirit works with that. 
Now, you need some maturity because everything we read, we think we understand, and we don't always do that. So there needs to be a little bit of maturity there. But I'll tell you, even if you don't understand and you're asking a question about Scripture, it's a great question. Don't think that you have the answer. Think that you have the question. Uh, and I'll say this too. Movement in life is not found in all the answers. Forward movement is found in asking the right questions. Okay? So I don't know. I'm not a, a big expert on the term spiritual director. That's a great question. But those are, I, I actually have talked, I talked with a spiritual director of uh, last week. And, and that's some of the things that, that we were talking about, if that helps at all. <laughs> What else are you hearing, asking, feeling? Are you looking for the alignment of God to respond unconditionally at the same time? So they be spontaneously the same in what I respond out of my mouth and what I do with my life? Should they be in sync So what you say and what you do, should they be in sync? Right. So here's the, the, the beauty of coaching a coach approach to discipleship is it's a process. So, and I think people could expect me to say, yes, it's both, but I don't think it starts with both. I think sometimes you have to start with just saying, I'm going to stop doing something, or I'm going to start saying something. There's all these these factors. What do you stop? What do you start? What do you keep? What do you change? Like all of that is a, a process. So I think a mark of spiritual maturity is you're doing and saying because you're believing. But in the process, it's a lot messier than that. So I think people are going to say one thing and do another, and that creates the gaps that you coach. So I think the process is exposing those gaps. And that's what the process of coaching a disciple is really all about. It's not saying you've achieved or you just behave perfect, say these three things. It's about saying, what truth do you see and how are you behaving accordingly? Which includes speaking. It includes action. So will that be, here's what I believe. I, I, I actually believe that I, am, I have spiritual growth ahead of me and I need the help of somebody else. So I think, I think actually the opposite is true. The encouragement is I'm not giving anything I'm not receiving. This is all about a relationship. I am not the expert in the room. I am your best friend to discover truth. And if I'm not discovering truth, how is that going to work? So I think, our, our whole life process is to pursue Jesus until he comes. So I don't think, and, and, and this is great, and I don't think that you're saying this, sir, but some people feel like there's a line of people that if you've either been at church long enough or you've taken enough classes or you say enough things, or remember the old days, you know that page 255 is I'll fly away. Who knows what I'm talking about, right? So if you, if you can reach that, then you've attained, and why do we keep doing this? But the deal is, it's not about all the behavior. It's just about the journey of pursuit, Okay, so I think that's what, what coaching is, this, this partnership to say, we're in this together. We're going to pursue Jesus. I mean, why do we go to church every week? I mean, is that discouraging? We have to keep coming back? The idea is we come to spur one another on even more until we see 
The return of Christ. The day is approaching, right? So I love that. And I, what I'm hearing from you too is, is this newness of coaching and what do we need and what does it work? And, and, and coaching is a tool. But our calling is to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And this is what we're called to do, to share this redemptive truth. So coaching is, is one of the tools. It's not the only tool, right? Teaching is a tool. Here we go. All right. This is a great question, and I'm going to answer it so simple. You ready for this? Leadership is about relationship. John Maxwell says, you can't lead if you don't relate. And I think there are a lot of pastors picking leaders who don't know their people. So I think the, the answer, and I stole that from John Maxwell, so that's where that footnote goes. But if we're not relating with them, how can we— leadership is not an assignment to get work off your plate leadership is a partnership to advance a mission okay illustration our church just had a, a we we needed more out of an administrative assistant because of what god was doing in our church and offered to get uh some training to this administrative assistant and she was outside her comfort zone and, and she was really gifted at at the administrative piece and so I said, do, do you want to be trained and learn this, or do you need to step away and, and roll in your gift? And she chose to step away. And we actually, because we had the boldness to ask that, I think we saved about a year of headache. We're actually still friends. All right? Isn't that good? But what we did is we decided, rather than hiring an administrative assistant, we wanted to hire a partner who can help advance mission, and actually we're replacing that with a pastor, and I'm going to do my own administrative work. Because my leadership needs to be a partner to advance mission. So I would say, think about leaders as not an assignment to give something away, but look as leaders as a partner to advance mission. And don't give away leadership until you know them. Now, we don't know everything. We're going to make mistakes. We're all human. And even after we pick the right leaders, we'll still fail and fall. But please, pick leaders who you've invested in already. You don't start investing once they have a title. Yeah, so you're talking about what we call formal coaching and informal coaching. So I, I have this habit of coaching all the time. And, and usually it's informal. And when I do that, I'm not walking through a process. I'm just using skills and competencies to help people. And that's more informal coaching. When it's formal, they always know. That, that's part of the deal, is that they, they have this awareness that coaching is happening, and the goal actually is deferred to, to that person, right? And so what was the second part of your question? Yeah. Um, why don't you, would you advance um, <clears throat> the next slide? I'm going to leave this. So, uh, I don't know if it's on here. It's not. So, there, there, um, I'm going to give you a website. Um, 
I think it's coachfederation.org. And if that's not it, it's International Coach Federation. That, that's who you're, you're going. And on there, they have <clears throat> eight. And actually, I think at the end of your notes on that QR code, I think I have the link at the bottom there. there there's eight coaching competencies, and all of our coach training trains on those competencies. So what you become is skilled at those competencies. So when you can actually learn the skills to be present, learn skills to actively listen, learn skills to ask questions, learn skills to design action plans that are accountable. That, that's what coaching is, and I think that's what, what you're asking, and that really comes in some training uh, of how you practice if this is motivating to you. Yeah. So what I think I'm going to repeat this because it's recording, that you're just asking if, if uh, how that interacts with building a culture of, of feedback, yeah. affirmation, encouragement. And I think that's true. Like, you don't want to hijack people with a new skill, <laughs> right? So if, you know, and I think uh, just because you go to, a, you learn a skill, you can't hijack them. So I think, I think as a leader, I'll speak to leadership for a minute on this. Don't ask for people what you haven't not only done, but modeled. So when you want to get feedback or uh, you want to give feedback to your team, I would recommend the first thing you do as a leader is have enough vulnerability to ask for it on yourself. Right? Model it. Right? So, so, so like Paul, like as I do it, like do it by my example. And that's what I would say, you know, don't walk in. Here's the beauty of coaching. You don't have to walk in with all the answers. Even as a spiritual authority, you don't walk in by saying, I have your answer, right? You walk in with saying, how are we going to help you follow Jesus? I'm with you, right? Because the idea is they can't make themselves, and here's the other idea, neither can we. When we follow Jesus, he will make you according to how he designed you to serve his mission for the glory of the Father, right? So here's what I have for you. Um, I, I do these classes. Typically, a lot of Christian organizations, they charge $525 for, for one two-day class or, or a class on coaching. Um, what I do is I, I actually charge $350, and I do that for people that are in the, the corporate world. But anyone that's connected to a church, I take that half price, and I charge $175 a class, which is... If you looked up how to, you know, programs, like to get certified, and you're talking between five and $12,000. Like, you need four classes and a mentor coach, and we can get you, you know. Certification is not really the goal for everybody, but, but you're getting the highest level. And what I'm doing is, is that if you scan that QR code, that'll take you to the Synergy link on my website, and I've reduced that by 25 bucks. If you want to register for a class, uh, I'll leave that link up there uh, for probably 30 days and you can register for a class and it's for 150 bucks i mean you know go to dinner twice with your family you've spent more than that right so i do that just because i love ohio i love you guys i i i'm here i was here so whatever i could do to help you 
um, work with people to, to seek Jesus. That's what I want to do. So you know, here we are. It's 11.06. Like I feel like when, when the plane lands, you have to land the plane. So let me take one more question and I'll give you a little more margin to, I'll, I'll hang around. You could talk to me one-on-one if you want or use the bathroom or whatever you need to do. Is there one more question? Yep. Okay, Larry. Yeah, so um, there's this cycle of, of leadership that I call the, it's, it's uh, I, didn't, I, don't, I didn't make it up, it's called the results cycle. And basically it says this, that what you believe determines how you behave. And how you behave impacts your relationships with people. And your relationships with people informs the outcomes of your life. Now those outcomes... Um, reinforce what you believe. So it's a cycle. So to find the gaps, the gaps are always in between one of those constructs. So man, I, I believe all the right things. I'm trying my best to do things and I just can't get along with people. Well, there, okay. So now we know where the gap is. Or my goodness, I see this truth in the Bible and I'm not doing anything about it. So, so I believe that, that God saves, but I'm not witnessing because I don't think people will accept the message. That's the gap. So it's, it's in between. I use that cycle a lot because it's simple. <laughs> so I don't know if that helps. Yeah. So I'd like to end today. I don't know how spiritual this is supposed to be, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to pray for you. So um, if, if you would uh, join me, and let's just talk to, to our God for a minute. Father, we thank you for your great love for us and that in all of our humanity, your grace is enough. Um, Lord, I thank you that, that we don't grow because of our achievements. We don't mature in faith because of what we do. Lord, thank you that, that this whole desire of you is that we just know who you are and we're, we're open enough to be known by you. Lord, I thank you that you've designed this whole life to be in pursuit of you, but, but to also love our neighbor, where when they have need, we, we meet that need with them because it's, it's, it, it helps them follow you. Lord, I pray that you would teach us to pursue you and to share your love with others. Lord, in this room, as we've just introduced some topics and you know, I don't know if I've even done the topic justice, Lord, but just thinking about overlaying coach approach to discipleship. Lord, I pray you would help us realize that it's, discipleship is not about giving answers. Discipleship is not about just doing things. But Lord, help us to learn to coach people to pursue Jesus and to be followers of Jesus. Help our churches to not be so bent on developing leaders that we overlook developing the followers of Jesus. Lord, teach us. Open our hearts to be pleasure, to be a pleasure to you. Lord, help us not to look for accolades, but help us to pick up the towel of a servant and just to meet the needs of people. Lord, I, I thank you for the privilege that you've given me today to be with my friends and to share from my heart. I just pray that whatever divine message that came out of human lips would change people, that would transform us. Lord, keep working in my life, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.